Welcome to our podcast. I'm joined by Kevin Yaney, the author of the 4th of July trilogy, which are historical fiction novels set at the time of the Civil War. So, Kevin, we talked last time about how the slavery issue led to the Civil War in the United States. Other countries, especially the largest powers in Europe, abolished slavery without it coming to war. Since the U.S. was founded on the principles of freedom, why didn't the founders get rid of slavery when they wrote the Constitution? That is an excellent question, and it's one that a lot of people have asked over the years because you do have this American experiment um, when we founded our country. And if you look at what the Declaration of Independence says, right. it's talking about you know all men are created equal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have the same folks that wrote that in 1776. Mm-hmm. Now they're writing a constitution in 1787, and they're hashing out all the uh, you know if ands and buts Correct. about that. What does it mean? And it really became quite contentious. Uh, in that constitutional convention, and it really came down to some sectarian areas, like we talked before, the Deep South was dependent upon slavery. Yeah. Now, when we talk about the South, a lot of people think, oh, you know, Georgia and, and Alabama and Mississippi, Florida, Texas, mm-hmm. places like that. But mm-hmm. the South, the dividing line went all the way up to uh, Virginia. Okay. So uh, the slave states uh, across the north would be Delaware and Maryland, um, Virginia as we're moving west, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, of course, um, and then all the way over to Missouri. Yeah, and that's the Mason-Dixon line. That's yeah, yeah. Okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. So anyway, what what was happening? Um, as the first 13 colonies got together and their dis- and their representatives are really trying to decide are we going to be a nation or are we going to be 13 separate co- uh, countries right and you know it, anywhere else in the world if you talk about a state you're really talking about a country country right we became the united states mm-hmm. and the way that they kind of looked at that is you are united you're, you're 13 united countries Okay. Okay. All right. So they this is it really is an experiment. Nobody had really kind of tried this before, but it's it's based on the common man having freedoms that they've never had before. Right. So, are you going to grant those to uh, slaves to yeah. everyone? Yes, to men and to women, to slaves, or is it just the landowners? Is it just the wealthy? Right. And they really had to wrestle with that because it was this was something new. Mm-hmm. Now it's pretty common to us. Yes, everybody gets the right to vote. You're a citizen. Yes. You get to go vote. You know that sort of thing. We don't think about that. No. But in their day, uh, only men voted. And it started out that only landowners voted. Okay. okay. But they expanded that. And so this was – it was revolutionary to them. But the, the issue of slavery. So right from the beginning when they're, they're trying to decide this, South Carolina and Georgia in particular became uh, – their representatives became the ones who said, if you give freedom to slaves, we will succeed. We will pull out of this agreement. Wow. And it got so contentious um, because you had people uh, from the Northeast in particular, Massachusetts and, uh, and Pennsylvania, who 
just hated slavery. Okay. You had people in the South who needed slavery to continue to do what they did. Yeah. Uh, or their way of life is just going to have to change drastically. Right. You had people in the middle. So you had people that were kind of the aristocrats of Virginia, uh, the George Washingtons and the Thomas Jeffersons mm-hmm. and the James Madisons and James Monroe and, the, and those folks. And some of them thought that slavery would just go away on its own. Okay. Without doing anything. Without doing a thing. Okay. And so the compromise that they came to when they were putting the Constitution together um, was they would go ahead and ratify the Constitution without settling the slavery issue. It would be left out of the Constitution okay. so that those deep south states would agree to join the United States. There were some, especially people like Thomas Jefferson, great thinker, yes. okay, who believed that by uh, the early 1800s, slavery would just go away like it had in Europe. Okay. That it was one of those things that that institution was dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it would just stop. Now, it's interesting because, as most people know, Jefferson owned slaves. Yes. Jefferson's an interesting guy. Uh, he's he's very intellectual. He reads a lot. Okay. And, um, and, and people look to him for his wisdom on things. Mm-hmm. The problem with Jefferson is Jefferson likes to argue all points of view. Okay. So Jefferson can argue for slavery or against slavery. Mm -hmm. And this has been the problem with a lot of... He sees all the sides. He does. And he feels like in order to get a balanced view of everything, that's the way you ought to live your life. Okay. So he owns slaves. He owns Monticello. Big, big plantation. Yeah. Okay. Now, he's not in the Deep South. He's in Virginia. Mm -hmm. All right. But one of the things that he decides that he is going to do is he's going to keep slaves as long as he's alive, but when he dies, he's going to free them all. Oh. Okay? <laughs> so he's, he's not, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's helping me out while I'm around. Right. But I'm not going to free them until. And right. that was kind of the, the view of a lot of risk. The rest- mentality. It was. Yeah. In fact, you get to uh, Robert E. Lee, mm. the Confederate general for the South. Right. Okay. His um, his uh, wife's father had been um, had been a, a revolutionary uh, war hero for okay. the Americans, mm-hmm. and when it came time, and and so when he got sick when he was older mm-hmm. and he was dying, he uh, g- gave uh, uh, his his property. To his family, but one of the things he wrote in his will was his slaves were to be freed within five years of his death. Oh, he gave term limits. He did. Wow. Basically. Mm-hmm. And so his slaves, uh, and, and Robert E. Lee was the executor of the estate. Oh. So he, he all of a sudden, he inherited all this land mm-hmm. from his wife's father. Right. But he also had to settle this issue. And it became um, actually before the Civil War ever started. There was there was an article um, in New York. It was run in the newspapers in New York about how unfair Robert E. Lee was being to the slaves of his 
father-in-law mm -hmm. because some of them had claimed that the father-in-law had actually said upon his death they would be free. They would be free. So Robert E. Lee had to decide what he was going to do. And, and interesting, it, after the Civil War started, he did free those slaves. Okay. Now, wow. he did, but at the same time, there was some contention between him and the slaves, and some of them thought, we're already free. This man has died. He freed yes. us. So we're just going to leave. Right. And Robert E. Lee had him tracked down and brought back and whipped for, mm -hmm. for escaping. Right. You know, and so there was there was kind of this both sides of things. Yes. But we, we get back to the, the topic of what happened with this issue of slavery. So you have you have this constitutional group in 1787 mm -hmm. and they decide um, we are going to put a moratorium on any kind of discussion of eliminating slavery for the next 20 years. Wow. Okay, so in 1807 is the next time anyone's even going to be able to debate this. That didn't set well with some folks, and there were a group of Quakers out okay. of uh, Pennsylvania mm -hmm. that challenged this. Now, if you know anything about the Quakers, yep. they were strict abolitionists. Yes. Okay, they did not believe in slavery at all, right. and it was it went against their religious beliefs, yep. and so they challenged this, and this was prior to us actually having a um, 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 our own Senate, uh, our own Congress, our own representatives. Yes. Uh, but they they pushed back on this idea, and they um, and, and they 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 said, you know, we don't think this is right that you put it off for 20 years. Right. We want the issue settled now. And and the champion uh, of their group was none other than Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin at this time was a very, very old man, and he okay. came in and he kind of championed their cause to this second uh, uh, constitutional um, group okay. convention that was that was put together. Yeah. And um, the first, first group was those revolutionaries that – you know, helped us during the Revolutionary War. Right. The second group uh, um, was those who were trying to put together this Constitution, and, and they really pushed back, and there was a lot of debate. And again, South Carolina stepped in and said, you do it, right. we're and we're out. out. Yeah. We're out, okay? And, uh, and so they finally, uh, again, came to a compromise and said, we're going to fall back on this uh, not touching it for 20 years. We yes. agreed to that. We're going to stick by that. And so the issue was just kind of shelved. Yeah. Like I said, there were people who thought it'd just go away. It didn't go away. Um, it, in, in fact, it increased. Yeah. So uh, we get to about uh, oh, 40 years after this point, 1820. Okay. And what has started to happen uh, during that time was the nation was expanding. It's beyond the 13 colonies now. Yes. And there were some like Jefferson when Jefferson was president. He became president in 1800. Um, one of the things that happened during his presidency was he tried to limit slavery beyond the um, Appalachians. Okay. That did not work. So south... Well, anything that would be west of okay. there, uh, beyond the, the beyond. 13. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but that didn't work. Okay. 
that didn't work okay. because people wanted it. And so you have beyond, you know, west of there to the Mississippi River, you know, you're going to have Kentucky and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Alabama. You're going to have Mississippi. Yep. You're going to have Florida yep. that became states during that time. Mm-hmm. And they're all slave holding states. Okay. Um, the other thing that happened during Jefferson's uh, time in office was the Louisiana Purchase. Now, the Louisiana Purchase, if you remember your history, yeah. it's not just the state of Louisiana, right. but it's everything basically, if you draw a line north and south, um, it's the Mississippi River to the Rocky Mountains. Yes. So all those states, all those plain states and, mm-hmm. and, and that, that form that part of our country. In 1820, there was a compromise. It became known as the Missouri Compromise. Okay. So Missouri is the first of the states west of that line of the Mississippi that's going to Correct. come to the United States. And the issue became, are they going to be allowed to be a slave state or not? Or not. Okay. At that time, there were 22 states. 11 of them were free states. Okay. 11 of them were slave states. Now, if you think about this in terms of our representation in Congress, yes, we each have two senators, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, on the Senate side of things, there is this balance that is happening. Um, you have twenty-two senators from those eleven states that are free, and you have twenty-two senators from the slave states. Yes. So along comes uh, Missouri, who is going to upset that balance and the question (laughs) then becomes are they a a slave state or are they a free state and so what was struck was known as the missouri compromise Mm -hmm. and there was a parallel line that was drawn from missouri all the way to the rocky mountains okay and the compromise was this everything south of that line would be a slave state okay everything north of that line would be a free state Along with that, anytime you had a state that came into the Union as a slave state, a free state also had to be entered into the Union Okay. to keep that balance. balance. Yeah, mm-hmm. because both sides feared that the other one would do away with the, the right of slavery right. or they, they would, uh, they would uh, expand slavery. Right. So they're trying to keep this balance. So when Missouri is entered into the uh, the Union. Maine is entered into the Union at the same time. Maine at that time was part of Massachusetts. Okay. And they broke off and they became their own state. Mm-hmm. When Arkansas came into the Union, so did Michigan, and so on and so forth yeah. through that whole thing. The problem with the Missouri Compromise was nobody was really happy. Right. Because if you're a slaveholder... You're you're thinking, why are these states, why are the people of these states not being able to vote whether they want slavery or not? Right. Isn't this a state's rights issue? Okay. And you're going to hear that a lot of times in terms of the Civil War, Mm -hmm. that it became a state's rights issue. It became a state's rights issue over one issue, slavery. Slavery. That was Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The northern position was this. We wanted to contain slavery. Yeah. And now you're letting it expand. Mm-hmm. And you're letting it expand into some great big territories. Yes. Okay. So 
um, that's what's happening. A couple other things happen in that time frame. Shortly after that, we go to war with Mexico. We go to war with Mexico, and in winning that war, we get these big chunks of land. Yeah. Texas. Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, is Texas below that line? Yes, yes, it is. So you have this great big state of Texas. Texas is as large in terms of mass than all of New England, Pennsylvania, right. Ohio, and Virginia. Mm-hmm. And you think about all the states that are included in there. It's larger than that. So you have this massive land mass. People who are farming and doing uh, uh, cotton farming in particular yeah. look at Texas and they're like, oh, this mm. is going to be great. Because yes. cotton will grow just about anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, here you go. So you get this expansion. Um, so people are up in arms and neither side's really happy over this. That uh, The Missouri Compromise was really the law of the land for the next 34 years. Okay. Um, there were two things that really kind of upset it. So we get to the 1850s. And um, California, so the, the, there's a gold rush yep. that happens during that time. And California had been part of Spain. And we kicked the Spaniards out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so California applies for statehood. Now, it's really interesting because in, in applying for statehood, uh, there was a, a gentleman, John C. Fremont. Fremont had been born in the South. He is from Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. But he is an abolitionist. Oh. And in fact, he is a radical abolitionist. And uh, he's an interesting guy. He's known as the Pathfinder. So he helped a lot of people get west through Indian territory and Mm -hmm. all the things that happened Mm -hmm. there. And he becomes a military governor in California after after, uh, the United States takes over that. And so the military is is in charge out there, and they're applying for statehood. He has so much influence that he um, um, says to Folks, you know, this needs to be a free state. Well, this goes beyond that Missouri Compromise. It's yes, west of the it's Rocky west. Mountains. Yeah. It's going to be the first state west of the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with that? Yeah. Um, can you divide? It, it's a long state. Yeah. And, you know, that line it's right through there. goes right between it. Yeah. So our, what are we going to do with the Missouri Compromise? So there is another compromise of 1850 that happens. And so the people in the South um, who are very much in favor of uh, expanding slavery say, mm-hmm. we will allow California to come in to the, to the United States as a free soil state. We will allow that, but we need something on our end of things. <laughs> and the thing that they wanted on their end of things is to be able to pursue runaway slaves all the way to California. All the way to the north. Oh. So that states that are free states can no longer stop slave hunters, bounty hunters. Coming through. From crossing their borders mm. and getting their slaves back. Wow. This enraged the abolitionists. Yeah. And what it did was it caused them to become very, very radicalized. Okay. So you might have had people. Remember, we were talking about those um, those guys in Pennsylvania, those Quakers. The Quakers. Mm-hmm. Well, Quakers 
Quakers don't believe in slavery, but Quakers also don't believe in violence. Right. Okay. But you started to have people who became very radicalized and and because of what was happening with this what was called the Fugitive Slave Act. Mm-hmm. They were pushing back against that and they were basically saying we're not going to let this happen. Yeah. So um, also in the 1850s, there's, it was a decade that just was explosive. Kansas. Kansas wanted to become a state. It borders Missouri. Missouri is right. a slave state. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happened was the Missouri Compromise was thrown out by the Supreme Court. It was thrown out in what was known as the Dred Scott decision. So this gets a little complicated, but Dred Scott was a slave. He and his wife and his two daughters were slaves in Missouri. Okay. There were laws attached to the Missouri Compromise that said if you take a slave into a free state, they are free. You can't take them and keep them a slave. Right. For instance, if you crossed over from Missouri to Illinois, which Dred Scott's owners did. Yeah. So he sued for his um, for his independence mm-hmm. uh, for he and his family, mm-hmm. and he won the initial case. The Missouri Supreme Court threw out that decision and said, "No, you're a slave." So he appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States, and uh, in a landmark decision, um, it was decided that anybody of African descent really wasn't a person. Oh wow! Yeah. They were property. And it would be the same as if you took your mule or your cow across state lines. One state had no right to take your property away from you. That is a, that is a, um, um, a protected right from the Bill of Rights. So uh, they decided that. They also decided that the Missouri Compromise was illegal. Wow. Yeah. So from this point forward, every state could decide for themselves by what was known as popular sovereignty, Mm -hmm. whether they were going to be slave or free. Okay. So Kansas, (laughs) Kansas, we get back to Kansas. And for the better part of a decade, Kansas became an issue and it became kind of the precursor to the Civil War. Okay. It became known as bleeding Kansas. So what happened was this. People who were living in the Kansas Territory that were um, about freedom, uh, the free soilers, as they were called, they became known as Jayhawkers, okay? Okay. And there were people from Missouri that would cross over and uh, cause trouble, and they were known as border ruffians. Mm -hmm. So there was really war that broke out between the two of them. Okay. That's where um, a radical abolitionist... Uh, in particular, a man named John Brown came into prominence because he um, was a part of, um, well, really terrorism against people who would cross over and would um, be for slavery. So if you were pro-slavery, um, they they would um, uh, perform terrorist acts against you Wow! to the point that one of the things that John Brown and his sons and the men that were with him did at one point is they ambushed uh, some of these border ruffians and they actually dismembered them. Wow. 
um, and they they chop them up and uh, as a message back to to all the other border ruffians. Exactly right. Don't come over here trying to um, um, you know force people to vote the way you want them to. Yeah. Now the other side did the same thing. So there were there were these border skirmishes known as Bleeding Kansas that led up to the the Civil War. Hmm. Beyond that, 1859 rolls around, uh, you know, just two years prior to the war. And John Brown tries something else. So he goes back to uh, Harper's Ferry. At that time, it was in Virginia. It's yeah. later going to be in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a U.S. arsenal there. Okay. And John Brown decides that he is going to have an uprising of slaves. And he is going to... Um, um, go into Harper's Ferry and take control by force of that arsenal. Okay. What's going to happen then is, uh, it, you know, um, he is uh, successful in gaining the arsenal, but he is, uh, the U.S. Marines go in and capture John Brown. The leader of those Marines is Robert E. Lee. Oh. At that time, uh, you know, he is he is uh, part of the U.S. Army, yes. and he's sent in to, to get John Brown. Yeah. Um, John Brown's arrest and his trial, and subsequently he he was uh, hanged okay. um, for treason, mm-hmm. okay, becomes this tinderbox. It's like somebody lit, lit the fuse. Yeah. And he even said it uh, before he died. He had written out his his, his last words, mm-hmm. and he basically said, "This slavery issue will only be settled with blood." Yeah, and he was right. Yeah. So slavery, um, you know, it, should it have been taken care of in the U.S. Constitution? Yes, it probably yes. should have. Yeah. Um, but it it really it escalated to war, and it it that's that's what happened. Wow. So. Goodness. Wow. Well, thank you for tuning into this podcast. If you want more information on Kevin Yaney and the 4th of July trilogy books, please go to www.4thofjulybook.com. For Kevin Yaney, I'm Selena Helvey.